When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a brand new video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. Today, my name is Brigadier Monday and I am joined by my esteemed superior officer, the FBL General, and he's here to tell you his orders. So how are you doing, sir? Uh, It's nice to be joined by my superior officer today and I'm going to give you a a salute before we begin. Yeah, good to be here, David. Um, Looking forward to this new weekly show that we're doing. Looking forward to guiding the troops into a, another battle, another campaign. So, yeah, good to be here and, and excited to see where this show goes. Well, in terms of where it's already gone, uh, those of us that are uh, not watching this and are listening on a podcast, you probably might want to check out the video version of this because we've gone the whole hog today. Uh, I've gone and got myself a Brigadier's uniform. I was looking for a beret so I could uh, replicate Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart from Doctor Who. That may have to come at a later point. Or alternatively, by episode two, everybody hates these outfits so much that they're just gone completely. Uh, And of course, uh, the general, sir, you are donned with your famous cap. Yeah, my famous expensive cap that I finally purchased during during this preseason. I should have had this a long time ago. It's funny. I I was just sitting here before we start recording, and I and I just asked myself, what has my life become? <laughs> my wife my wife popped her head in the door. Uh, she's very hungover today. She just popped her head in the door before I started, and she just said, "What on earth is going on?" And she just <laughs> left again. So I have a lot of explaining to do later. I think she thought I set up an OnlyFans or something. So. I have to say, yeah, I mean, you sent me the, the screenshot of what your preview looked like on Zoom with that very caption. I mean, we we, we could try. I mean, there's always, you know, always good ways to support the channel, get a few extra bits of, you know, tech involved, you know. So if that's what people are interested in, let us know in the comments. Um, but please don't. Please don't do that. Um, but yes, you of course mentioned that we've got some troops uh, to direct and, and very much the, the theme of this show is that we've got the general for about 40-45 minutes. Uh, I'm his uh, his brigadier, which means I answer directly to him and it's my job to be the go-between between the general and the troops. And the troops, if we haven't clarified already, is you guys. You are part of the general's army and he's got orders for you. It's very true. He is your mother now. So you have to listen up. He's got orders that are going to help direct your campaign. Three every week, uh, tailored to the specific dilemmas of the week. And we've got two episodes of this before we start the season. And so this first episode is going to be a little bit more broad, a little bit more uh, spread around generic ideas for how you can build your team. But then as we move into each game week, those orders might get a bit more specific to do with who's in form, who's not in form, fixtures, etc. So yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, I like I like this idea. Um, like I say, before the season starts, it's very much going to be geared towards kind of building a game week one team or what you need to do between now and the season starts. And like you said, much more specific about teams and players to target and stuff when we are mid-season. So yeah, really looking forward to this. 
Yeah, it's going to be good fun. Now, I did promise that the general uh, has orders uh, for you, but I actually have some orders for you as well. That is, of course, for you guys to make sure that you have signed up to Fantasy Football Scout membership before the start of the campaign, because now is the best time to do it. You can save up to 30% on those preseason prices, and you'll get all the juicy good stuff that we're always making a big deal of on these shows. So if you want any information on that, head to the website and get yourself signed up now. But you don't want to hear about my orders. You're here not for the brigadier, but for the general himself. And let's move to the, your first order of the day sir uh take us away with order number one yes order number one for pre-season and between now and when the season starts is go back to your first draft and see what has changed and the main thing is to ask yourself why have those picks changed so a lot of people take screenshots of their first draft even if you don't have that you probably have an idea of the first players you put in as soon as FPL went live which feels like a lifetime ago now and I guarantee you there's at least four or five of those players who are not in your latest draft. So very easy to get caught up in preseason content, in videos like this, in podcasts, you know, reading articles. Your thinking can be, you know, your judgment can be clouded by other content creators or other FPL managers, friends, and all that kind of stuff. Or some friends might be trying to push you down a route that you're not intended to go because they want to be in a mini league and stuff like that. So you've got to always be careful with who you take your orders from. So very important, but at some point between now and the start of the season, go back to that first draft or at least try and put it together from memory. And then just ask yourself, why uh, Why are some players not in it that were initially? And was that first gut instinct? Maybe that is the way to go. And maybe just weigh it up. And is there a good reason for those changes? So it's a, it's a very healthy exercise to carry out at some point before, before the campaign starts. Mm. Well, before I ask you some questions, I'm going to salute and say, sir, yes, sir. I completely appreciate that advice. Thank you very much. And what we do have on the screen right now is your first draft. And so I was wondering, sir, if you could tell us some individuals who are not in your current first draft who used to be and perhaps why they've changed. Yeah, I think first draft included a few guys that are not there now. And Kunku up front, Hyungman Son in midfield and also Jordan Pickford. And the big one's probably Trent at the back. So these are picks I'm going to go back to over the next few weeks and really you know, ask myself, they're in my first. They were in my first draft. There must be good reason for that. So why have they come out? And are the replacements better, or should I go back to those first picks? So Trent is obviously a big talking point going into the new season. He's expensive when it comes to defenders. There's a lot you can do with the cash saving in other positions, in particular with the midfielders. Trent was in my first few drafts. He hasn't been in my last two or three. And again, it's probably going to go down to the wire in that decision. It might even be a case of I have a trend draft and a non-trend draft on the Friday of game week one. So Trent, it's the game week two fixer against Bournemouth, which is very, very appealing. But we know what he can do just over a long stretch of games as well. So it's a, it's a tricky one, but was in the first la draft, not in the latest one. So it's something I need to go back to. Also up front, you've got Nkunku. Again, I think he went into the first draft just out of kind of price, um, you know, shiny new toy. But as the weeks have passed by, I've kind of gone back to my usual kind of set of rules of ignoring new players to the league and also avoiding teams that are in transition. And Chelsea are very much a team in transition with a new manager and lots of new players. So in Kunku, in the first draft, it probably won't be in the final draft. More likely to be a kind of steady, steady, safe, proven pick like a Jesus or an Ollie Watkins. In midfield then, I think Youngman Son went into the first draft again. You know, a lot of good comments coming from him about being injured last season, getting over his hernia issue, new manager. Um, 
as we'll talk about later, I've got a little, a little boy called Sonny. So there's some personal reasons to go for, for the Tottenham man and the new manager as well. I'm a Celtic fan, so I'm hopeful that Postacoglu is going to do well at Tottenham. But again, as the weeks have gone by, as you try and squeeze 0.5 from here and there, Jungman Son has dropped out for, for a different midfielder. And then the final position, I think, in the starting eleven that's different is is Pickford, the goalkeeper. He was in the first draft, just nice and easy, good fixtures. You kind of know what you're going to get from him as a 4.5 goalkeeper. But since then, Onana has joined the Premier League and Manchester United, and he's in my latest draft. So one of my big decisions, Game Week 1, do I spend an extra 0.5 for Onana, or do I go back to my initial Game Week 1 pick in Pickford? So I think one more change on the bench as well. Like a lot of people, Botman was in my first draft, just automatically underpriced. Why is he 4.5? Top four team last season. But when you dig into the fixtures a little bit more, they're not fantastic for to begin with for Newcastle. So I think Botman's a player I might swerve to begin with and come back to him in a few weeks. And hopefully he might even be 4.4 at that point when, when people start to sell. Mm, there's lots of uh, changes that you've made there. And I think the recurring thing I'm sort of discovering for each one is it very much feels like a lot of them are influenced by your identity as a FPL manager, which is something you've always spoken about uh, over the years, more of a steady Eddie manager. And uh, I didn't want to front load people with this right at the beginning because we were shoehorning silly outfits in their face. But I'm just going to quickly talk about your OR history because it is, of course, very good. Three times uh, in the top 500, uh, five times in the top 20K, eight times in the top 50K. And I think it's nine uh, of the last 10 have been in the top 50k so sorry it's 950k nine of the last 10 there's just so many good stats i mean you know we have all these stats about players there's good ones about yourself as well do you think that that steady eddie approach is one of the biggest uh reasons why you've been able to achieve that and then does that then influence how you set up a game we want to think hmm i've done this before let's do it again yeah it's always i kind of always revert to my tried and tested approach when it gets to game week one you might see my first draft has a few spicy picks but as it gets closer and closer to the season it's much more like the template players you know the highly owned players I don't go out of my way to pick the highly owned players but it kind of happens naturally because you know good players good teams good fixtures most managers gravitate towards the stupidens of this world for for game week one and players like Sack and Haaland anyway so yeah when I think back in particular to my kind of consistency over the years it has been the the safe approach. It's not taking risks on players whose expected minutes are are an issue. And we might see in my in my current draft soon that there is one or two you know Man City picks in there. Uh, and I'm not 100 percent sure about going there because it doesn't really suit my style of play to sweat over clean sheets. Or, sorry, team sheets. I sweat over clean sheets as well, but I don't like sweating over team sheets in particular Manchester City midfielders uh, on uh, you know every weekend. So that is a few things that I, that I need to to weigh up between now and the start of the season, but. As people who followed me for a while, or if you're following me for the first time this season, you'll you'll get to know very quickly that you can almost predict what my transfers are going to be and what my captaincy is going to be each week because I play a very, very safe, boring. It is a boring way to play the game, but it's also effective. You know, I like green arrows. I like good overall ranks at the end of the season. So I'd be sticking to my usual usual strategy this season. Well, I mean, that's very on brand, of course, because tactical discipline and self-control is one of the many things that a general needs when he goes into battle. So it's it's nice to see that you're, you're keeping up with that. And this is a man who's won many campaigns. So stick with him and stick in his platoon and you may uh, go particularly far. Um, permission to show my team, sir. My first draft. Permission granted. Hey, there we go. Well, I can't offer quite as many good finishes uh, as yourself, but um, you know, uh, my my first draft very very uh, similar in certain areas. I had Pickford as well, uh, and the reason I moved away from him was because I just 
I found goalkeepers with better fixtures. I liked Flecken. Um, I'm interested in the United defence. I may go for Anana, uh, for example. I also had Pascal Gross as well. So I, I've, we had some similar uh, dilemmas, so I won't duplicate. But Pascal Gross was someone I had because he was one of the better Brighton players last year. It was the highest scoring one. And I still don't actually know where I'm going to go with that one. So I've put Matoma in because everybody else has got him at the moment, to be honest. Um, but I'm still waiting to see how things go out in the pre-season because I want to see where Gross is going to play. He traditionally has the highest expected minutes, but isn't necessarily always the guy that is in the most dangerous areas because he can moonlight as a right wing back, for example. So they're the two additional changes for me that I think that were very similar. So, uh, sorry, were very different so that we're avoiding um, some duplication there. So yeah, um, go back and going back to, to those first drafts is, is quite useful. I guess my final question for you, because I've also taken out Trent, um, is do you think removing Trent is something that is on brand for you or something that is off brand because he's very expensive um, and he's maybe difficult to get to? Um, or do you see spreading the cash as something that is something you'd rather do? Because, I mean, that is presumably a decision you've still got to make between now and Game One. Yeah, I find him quite conflicted uh, on this one. I feel like part of it is on brand and then part of it isn't because I, I do, I've always liked spreading the cash around the squad. And I'm going to probably do that with Salah. I'm probably going to go without Salah and spread the cash around the squad. But it, on the flip side, Trent has been a, a very good servant, a very good soldier over the years. And I tend to stay loyal to picks that have done well for me in previous seasons. And I do also usually, I do like the idea of having the most expensive defender and you can go anywhere afterwards. So I'm kind of, I'm on the fence on this one, not sure what to do. And at the moment, it feels a bit like a 50-50 decision. Um, but like I said, he's not in the current draft. So maybe that tells you where I'm leaning. Yeah, we'll have to see. It's going to be a difficult decision for everybody, I think, going into to game week one. Well, thank you, sir, for your first order. We're going to take a brief interlude to discuss uh, one of our many recurring sections that we're going to have this season on General's Orders. And it's a slightly shorter version this time around. Uh, and it is, of course, entitled Dad's Army. And you can see the characters from the famous BBC sitcom on the screen right now. And we have decided to create a bit of a segment where we're going to take a look at your dads and specifically mine as well, because every week when I'm preparing for my FPL team, uh, my dad is, is quite often in touch, uh, not necessarily asking for help, but just telling me what he's doing. And it's usually quite strange. It's usually quite silly because he is about as casual as it gets. And I know that I've mentioned him a couple of times when we're trying to compare what engaged managers doing versus casual managers I always mention my dad and the silly things that he does uh, and I've actually had a load of people being like can we not just can we just get an FPL league where everybody's dads join and we can just see who has the craziest dad well the the, the west way the best way to do that of course is to track my dad's team this year now I was hoping to be able to bring you some information about his team this year I asked him two days ago have you started your FPL team yet and he just left me blue ticked uh didn't even reply on that specifically <laughs> we've talked about other stuff don't worry me and my dad are on good terms don't worry <laughs> but that that's where my dad's at my dad hasn't even set a team so you could argue perhaps maybe he's like godfrey just to sleep in the corner just but it gave me a little bit of inspiration for everybody else if you could write in and tell us what your dads are up to in fpl every week we'll get an update from my dad's team when he actually remembers to get one which will probably be on saturday morning after the game we won deadline and we'll see what everybody else uh, is up to i was going to ask you uh, mark if you if you'd ever watched dad's army and uh, any any relatives in your family that have particularly wacky FPL teams which is annoying when you make content isn't it because it's like having a toddler you just watch them walk into stuff that they just ugh, it's very annoying yeah it's um just very vague memories of dad's army on tv in Ireland as a youngster probably wasn't on, on tv as much there as it was was in the UK so not overly familiar with the show but in in terms of um 
I really like your idea of dad's army. I'm looking forward to hearing your, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say sage advice from your dad this season. I'm, I'm looking <laughs> forward to seeing what kind of nuggets of information we get from him and what we can, we can take from him. Maybe we, we can, uh, we can improve him as an FPL manager this season, hopefully in terms of the the relatives and stuff. It's for the last couple of years, we've had a, a family league, you know, with my siblings, a couple of nephews, a couple of nieces, and it's been, you know, it's set up as a head to head league. Uh, a couple of nieces, you know, like a 10-year-old a niece and a 13-year-old niece. And both of them really enjoy when the weekly matchup comes up against Uncle Mark, you know, the, the full-time FPL content creator. And very often they have got the better of me. And all they need in a season is one victory over me. And I do not hear the end of it in the family WhatsApp group. You know, Mark, I'm 10. You're a full-time FPL. I beat you. Ha, ha, ha. You know, with a midfield of Granite Shaka and and it will be, you know, these guys, one of those freak weeks where you have a, the, the template picks do badly, the high owned players do badly and, and the differentials do well and the, and the little nieces get the bragging rights. So, uh, yeah, the, the family leagues are, are great for that kind of stuff. I'm glad that you've done it head to head because that is probably going to make it, it allows them the opportunity to actually enjoy the odd victory of you because I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm going to go on a limb here and say you've, we've won the overall thing every year for the past 10 years, something like that. Yeah, it's got to be, got to be head to head. Makes, makes it more interesting. Gives, uh, gives you know much the whatsapp chat is much better when there's a a weekly head-to-head -head against someone and the, the pressure is always on i always feel the pressure that i need to get over the line almost every week in those in those matchups especially against the younger the younger ones yeah well absolutely and th those picks you mentioned there they are just the absolute uh, hallmark of, of those managers sometimes that we are faced with in our family i find it's like the five million midfielders I, I think that's the most common position where they pick up a five million midfielder a big club i don't know if you remember when angolo Kante was just in everybody's teams because I don't know, like Alan Shearer would just every week say on Match of the Day that he was superb. And then all of a sudden, everybody who just watches Match of the Day goes for him. And then, well, it sounds like they, they own that player when they face you in the head-to-head. -head. It's like, oh, because you get we get it in the cups, don't we, sometimes? We get knocked out by someone who triple captain Bakayoko. Yeah, and they get the one week of the season where, where Bakayoko gets a goal and assist and three bonus, and that's you out of the cup. What, what a waste of time. I don't think I've ever got past round three or four in that in that FPL cup. It's It's a nightmare. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not fun. But at the very least, it's a good laugh. And so that's what this section is going to be about uh, for, for the rest of the season. We'll have some more Nuggets information from my dad and we'll, we'll work out which of the seven characters he's behaving like this week uh, from Dad's Army. And then for your dads as well, chuck them in. Or your mums as well. There's famously an episode of Dad's Army called Mum's Army. So we can, we can shoehorn everybody in. You've got a granddad, any kind of relative. We want to hear what they're up to uh, if, they're, if it's particularly funny or particularly sage. Uh, and at the same time, make sure you get their permission before you you send them here because we may or may not like be laughing at them and sort of ridiculing them so we wouldn't want to do that without permission so don't forget that well speaking of permission permission to move on to order two sir yes permission granted so here we go order number two take it away sir order number two it's something uh, i've heard on a couple of other podcasts if i'm being honest uh, over the last couple of weeks and it's i think it's really really important um i think as the fpl managers we put too much weight on game week one fixtures when we're building our game week one team. So my order number two for this episode is at some point before the season starts, look at a fixture ticker. Fantasy Football Scout have a great fixture ticker where you can remove game week. So I would look at a fixture ticker, remove game week one and sort by difficulty and then see how that changes your thinking. So, you know, for example, if we take away game week one, Chelsea have Liverpool game week one, but when you take that out, they're straight to the top of the ticker, you know, game week two to game week seven, things like that. 
a lot of people are putting a huge amount of weight on Brighton at home to Luton in game week one. It's only one game. And if you take that one out, Brighton drops significantly down the fixture ticker from game week two to game week eight. So always, I think it's very, very important that we we don't zone in on game week one too much. You know, let's face it, we're not playing our free hit in game week one. We're building a team for, you know, four to eight game weeks, maybe even longer. So if you can, look at a fixture ticker, remove the first fixture for each team, uh, or even just look at a player. Like, look at Ollie Watkins. He's he's not in too many teams because he's got Newcastle first. Look at his fixtures, ignore the Newcastle one, and see how you feel about Ollie Watkins then. Because let's face it, we've only got one free transfer a week. We're not going to be making wholesale changes to our teams if we don't wildcard early. Um, so you've got to take a longer term view of your game week one picks rather than putting too much weight on the first fixture. Don't worry if some of your picks have away fixtures in game week one, they have difficult fixtures. Chilwell's a good example. Don't worry if he has Liverpool in game week one. If you think Chilwell's a good pick for the first eight game weeks, you pick him and you probably play him against Liverpool and try and get an attack in return. So I think that's a good tip and something I've picked up myself recently and 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 something I'm going to try and do as well is, you know, I've got I've had Jesus in my team almost every draft, but I've never felt 100% confident in the player or in the pick. And if I just ignore game week one for Ollie Watkins, I really like his fixtures, game week two, game week three onwards. So I may make that switch at some point between now and the start of the season. So yeah, it's a good exercise. Ignore game week one and see if that changes your thinking on certain picks and certain teams. Yeah, I mean, I have to say um, the one that does stick out for me because I've stuck the season ticker up on the screen is that Arsenal do do drop quite significantly, which makes a lot of sense because that Forest game at home is 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 an easy one on paper. Nottingham Forest were the worst team away from home last season, and uh, I got a bit of stick recently when I when I experimented with a Salah draft, which involved actually I actually went the other way. I kept Jesus and went away, did away with an Arsenal midfield, so it was Salah in for Saka, um, and. I, I mean, we've done some more detail on that in another video, so I won't bore people with the, the specifics of, of why I've, I've tried that. Do go have a look at um, my team reveal for a bit more information. But just seeing how Arsenal drop off there um, makes me feel a bit more comfortable, not quite so heavily invested in their attack because, you know, you notice that United, Brentford, Villa, uh, Man City, Spurs, Everton, Chelsea all have better fixtures over the longer term outside of that first one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, would you feel comfortable with just one Arsenal attacker based on this? I mean, just wondering how much of an impact taking that Forest game out uh, has on your thinking, I suppose, if in a world where they go nuclear against Forest. Uh, and do you still think that do you think that you would then need to jump back on, or do you think that you just act if you go for one Arsenal attacker, just accept you're going to get outscored in game week one, but you, then you might turn things around game weeks two to eight, which of course maybe is more beneficial for your green arrows. What do you think? Yeah, good question. This is why it's a good exercise because it challenges your thinking on, on your picks when you look at the fixture ticker in a slightly different way. Um, I still think looking at this, even if you take away game week one, when Arsenal still have Crystal Palace and Fulham and Everton you know, game week two to game week, uh, to game week five. I still fancy double Arsenal attack. I just, I want triple Arsenal no matter what, because the fixtures are good, not just, not just in game week one. Um, and again, if I mentioned there that Jesus might drop out for Watkins, but if that did happen, I think Martinelli would then probably appear in my midfield alongside Saka. So if I took Jesus out, it's probably not going to mean, you know, double defence or just one midfielder. 
it probably opens the door for a Martinelli who I who I probably deep down really want anyway, more so than Gabriel Jesus. So I'm quite open to making that switch. You know, Watkins comes in for Jesus and then Martinelli goes in maybe for a Foden, who I think is in my recent draft, who's, you know, is slightly risky with Pep as his manager and, and rotation and all that. So Arsenal, again, another good example here who dropped down the ticker. And, and another one that stands out to me here is Liverpool, because if you look at a fixture ticker and Liverpool have Bournemouth at home, let's say that was game week one. And again, this has been mentioned in, in other places, but just to reinforce it, Salah's ownership, I think, is about 24% right now. If it was Bournemouth game week one, that would be 40% easily, maybe more, maybe 45%. So again, don't put too much weight on game week one. If you think Salah is a fantastic pick for game week two, if you think you'd very, if you think you'd really like to captain him in game week two, then looking at the fixture ticker in this way you might sway it back towards the likes of Salah and even Trent as well for, for that reason. So I know Liverpool are not at the top of the ticker here, but again, Bournemouth is, is very, very attractive. But again, I'm just thinking now saying that, maybe maybe I'm conflicting myself here because if we're saying don't put too much weight on game week one, maybe you don't put too much weight on any single game week. And maybe that's what people are doing with, with the Bournemouth game. It's only one game, anything can happen. Uh, yes, it was 9-0 last season, but unlikely that's going to happen again this year. And if you're if your reasons for picking Sal or Trent are heavily weighted on Game Week 2 only, then that's probably why they're not in my recent draft and it's why I prefer spreading the cash. So it's different managers will look at this in different ways and you've got to decide where you put your your weight on 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 certain fixtures and 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 you know how many fixtures. Yeah, I mean, you certainly um, helped me realise that even just then that the reason why I've got why I tried Salah in the end was actually more about form than it was about fixtures because the way that he finished last season was actually insane. You know, in the last twelve game weeks, he was top of the league for expected goal involvement, shots on target, and looked like he was back to his best. And since they changed their system to that uh, different version of, of, of midfield with Trent involved there as well. I think it's a 2-3-3-2 three, three, two or, or something. It's, it's it's a very complicated new formation. Since they made that switch, I think that was game week 30, I think Salah was the top point scorer as well. So it does benefit him and he's doing very well in, in pre-season. And so it's made me realise I've, I've got Salah there for the form rather than the fixtures. Um, and of course, that maybe comes into play with, with the captaincy and, and, and things like that. Yeah, one more point on this fixture ticker before we move away. Brighton, if you take away game week one against Luton, they drop down to, I think, 14th on the fixture ticker. I've yeah, seen a right lot of teams with with triple triple Brighton. Uh, and do you really want to have triple Brighton by the time you get to game week four when they run into Newcastle, Manchester United and, and Aston Villa not too long after that? So my advice is probably double Brighton is enough if you want to attack the fixtures early on because it can be quite difficult to move off triple Brighton because you probably will have a couple of other issues to deal with in the meantime. So I think coupled with the rotation issues at Brighton with Europe kicking in after the international break, uh, my advice would be would be double Brighton is, is enough rather than, than a triple up. Mm. Yeah, game week 3-4 was around the time I was looking at at the very least probably getting rid of my midfielder. There's lots of uh, options in whatever whichever Brighton midfielder you go with you're in a bracket where you can you can jump off quite easily and and this this graphic just drives that home in a nice visual way but speaking of Brighton or rather someone who used to play for Brighton before we move on to our next section I did just want to ask you about Trossard because you mentioned Martinelli um, but Trossard seems to be making a real name for himself in pre-season I wondered if you've given him any consideration three goals so he's the top goal scorer in pre-season so far uh, he's only behind Saka for total goal involvement and then when you look at the number of minutes he's played he is uh, outside of i'll just double check it with the uh, the old spreadsheet now uh no sorry he is in actual fact the most utilized wide forward in pre-season 
for Arsenal. He's had more minutes than Saka, Martinelli, etc., etc. Can you read anything into that? Is he too? He's probably too risky for someone as seasoned and disciplined as the general. But he's kind of knocking on the door. Yeah, knocking on the door, and I and I don't like that he's knocking on the door because I'm a big Martinelli fan, and it's I'm not giving any consideration to to Trossard because. I, I still expect Martinelli to be in that starting eleven game week one, and, and then we you know reassess it on a weekly basis after that. So preseason form, I almost tend to ignore it completely, especially the goals and the and the and the assists and stuff like that. It's more I'm looking at minutes and and you know maybe tactics for new managers and stuff like that. But I'm very much going to go back to last probably to the tail end of last season. What was happening in that Arsenal attack? Martinelli was one of the main men, and I think he's. I think he's quite unique, Martinelli, in what he offers to Arsenal on the left wing. You know, I I, I see Trossard as a slightly different player. I'm a big fan of Trossard, and I do expect him to probably cause headaches for us FPL managers by eating into the minutes of some of the other midfielders this season. And for that reason, you know, I, I do have slight concerns about putting Martinelli back in because even if he does start games, maybe it's, maybe it's a lot of 70-minute appearances, more so than last season. So... Arsenal's becoming tricky, especially with Havertz in the mix now as well. So Trossard not in my gimmick one thoughts, but it might he might just do enough to put me off going for Martinelli. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of what my thinking had been as well. I'd had Martinelli uh, points in the preseason because the, the prices were good, but I do think that I probably I, I feel safer with some of the other options, which has probably um, just been confirmed. Uh, by uh, Trossard. Well, thank you very much, sir, for order number two. We're now going to move on to the second of our mini segments, which is uh, less about my family and more about yours. So I would like to introduce you to Sunny Soldiers. Yeah, this is a nice idea I had. Um, as many people know, I had, I had a little boy in March and we, we called him Sonny. Um, so I had the idea of, you know, setting up an FPL team for him. And by the time he gets to 18 years old, he's going to have a a history of 18 seasons under his belt with probably some atrocious ranks and he can he can set up his own one when when the time comes but i've seen a few people you know i put a tweet out for ideas on on how i should pick a team for a 5 month old he'll be he'll be almost 6 month old when when the, when the season starts obviously has no idea about anything football yet and and may never have an interest which which will be absolutely fine as well but for now when he doesn't have a choice he's going to have an fpl team and I put out a tweet for ideas on how to pick a team for him. And one of them was, you know, there's a lot of players in the league that have son at the end of their name or or even in, the, in their first name, like a Mason, uh, you know, Jefferson, Emerson. There's a lot of sons available. So the, the other suggestion was actually as well, uh, Sonny's name is Sonny McGettigan, which has 15 letters, which is perfect for an FPL team. So it was maybe have one player in the, you know, in each position with one letter from his name. But... I like the son idea more. Um, so Hyungman's son will be the auto captain every week, and I've got I've got a pretty decent. There's actually a pretty decent squad of of sons. Um, now I, again, I've seen this. I've seen this tweeted before in previous seasons. People have you know put up screenshots of teams that have you know son at the end of every name, but you know this will be actively managed. It will be you know between myself and my wife, we'll look after the team. Uh, anyone. If someone gets injured, you know, let's say James Madison gets injured, he can only be replaced by someone with with son in their name. So there's a strong squad of 15 players available. And there's also, I think, about 19 players on a watch list who also are eligible. Now, it was quite hard with just, you know, the surname ending with son, players like Robertson. So I had to make a few exceptions to include the first name as well. And, and I was quite proud of myself 
you know, I've got way too much time. And I, I spent I spent a couple of hours one day going through the list of Premier League players to find first names that had Son as well. And I was very proud of finding Odson Edward at Crystal Palace. So he he's another option that is eligible. Hopefully he gets plenty of minutes this season. So just a fun little side project this season. And what I've done, I've set up a league, uh, which is Dad versus Sonny. It's head-to-head as well. So we can check in from time to time. I'm sure there will be weeks where I get beaten by a six-month-old who has a team of Sonnies, basically. Uh, And again, the big one for this, I need Harry Kane to leave Tottenham so that Richarlison gets more game time because then you've got the beautiful midfield triple-up of Son, Madison and Richarlison, which, which should do pretty well if Harry Kane leaves. So very interesting to see, again, Overall rank-wise, I don't really care too much, but maybe, you know, a top one million rank would be maybe a realistic target for this team. So, so we'll we'll see how this goes. And I thought just on this this video, uh, it would be a good place to check in from time to time to see how the how the team's doing. I'd say it actually looks like quite a good team. I'm just going to list it off in full for the benefit of the podcast listeners. We've got Edison and Allison as a goalkeeper rotation, which is uh, not bad. Robertson, Patterson, Robinson. Uh, Robinson from Fulham, of course. Uh, as you mentioned, that that holy trinity of sons over at Spurs, Richarlison, Son and Madison, May Son, Mount at United, Harry Wilson at Fulham, and then Nicholas Jackson and Callum Wilson up front, which actually, that could be a really exciting uh, front pairing, to be honest. You've got Ferguson as well on the bench, Emerson and Dawson. That's that's the 15. I mean, to be honest, in many ways, if, 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 you, if you sort of covered up the fact that they had Son on the end of their name, this is actually like a really good differential 11 as well, because people always are trying to find one. I, d- I think this team could do pretty well this year. Yeah, I was actually surprised. This this might be the strongest season of, of putting a team together with, with Son at the end of it. I think Nicholas Jackson is, is a really good addition. Another one I'm watching closely is who's not here is Brennan Johnson. He's another really good option, you know, whether he stays at Forest or I know there was some talk about Brentford as well. I think the only issue is slightly weak defensively, possibly. The goalkeepers are fine, but um, I've got a watch list here as well of other defensive options. There's not a, there's not much there. You know, it's Emerson Royale, Nelson Semedo. You've got Ben Johnson at West Ham, Davinson Sanchez, Mason Holgate, and then you've got Robinson at Sheffield United as well. So I could really do with one or two new signings to the Premier League that are eligible for this team, uh, in particular defenders. So it's good that there is options as well if there is injuries or suspensions that I will make transfers. But again, it'll be it'll be strictly to the rules. And again, the main thing is Hyungman Son needs to come back with a bang and have a big season because he will be he will be perma captain. Mm, big, big responsibility uh, for him, but he is could be the king of the Sons, quite literally. So, fingers crossed uh, for that. Well, uh, it's time now, I think, for us to move to our final order, uh, with your permission, of course, sir. Permission granted for order three. There we go. Order number three on the screen, which is your team. So, talk oh. us through the order related to this one. Yeah, order number three for managers, you know, for the rest of preseason, you know, at least once or twice, and at least when we get close to, to to kick off, get your team on your screen, on your laptop, on your computer, on your phone, whatever you're doing, um, you know, your latest draft. Ignore the player names, ignore the player shirts. A very hard thing to do. You might even need to use something to cover them. Um, maybe your hand if you're using your phone. It's quite easy to kind of scroll down and look at player prices only. So this is all about price points. Um, Look at the player prices that make up your squad and ask yourself, is this a flexible team structure? Um, You know, for example, my team has Jesus, Plange and Haaland. You know, if I take away the names and the the jerseys, it's 14, 8 
and 4.5. And that's how I want to go into the season because Haaland's the most expensive. Hopefully we'll be there all season. Jesus is a good price point for an Nkunku or a Watkins or a Jackson if I need to make a switch later. Um, we should probably talk about Plange as well because I think he's, we talked about him in the in the first video a couple of weeks ago. He's actually signed for Carlisle now. So I've got a big decision to make. Do I do I stick with him? He was in my game week one team last season. Do I keep a red flagged 4.5 striker and, and buy myself a Carlisle jersey? It's funny, my my dog, my dog's three years old uh, and she was actually born in Carlisle. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure there's a, there's some kind of military advert about, you know, born in Carlisle, raised in the Navy or something like that. So maybe plans, maybe plans needs to stay because he's gone to Carlisle where, where my little dog's from. Uh, but yeah, back to the price points. Do that for every position. Again, the goalkeepers, I've got a 5.0 and a 4.0. Maybe that will change to a 4.5 and a 4.0. But it's all about asking yourself, for example, what happens if X player does well? Can I get there? Uh, and I, and I, again, a good example for this team structure would be questions like, what if I really need Trent? How do I get there? What if I really need Salah? How do I get there? And the answer is probably difficult. But if I can roll a transfer in game week two, you can probably get to those players with two free transfers and maybe a minus four, you know, for three moves. So, you know, don't, we, we always preach flexibility. We preach, you know, price points, but we do have free transfers to use over the first couple of game weeks. and. It's never impossible to get to a player or two players with transfers and, you know, never be afraid to take a hit if you need to restructure. So, yeah, order number three, look at the price points in your team. See if you're happy with it. See if you think it's flexible enough for maybe some of the targets on your watch list. And then you can go back to thinking about actual players and teams. Hmm. Yeah, well, so what I was going to do is we're actually just going to break your team down uh, into the, the whole team for those for those price points. We'll start with the list of players, and then we're going to forget them. So Anana uh, and Ariola as the goalies, Stones, Gabriel, Estupinian, uh, Tarkovsky, and Bayer as the defenders, Foden, Saka, Rashford, Fernandez, uh, Matoma as the midfielders, and as you said, Harlan, Jesus, and Planche are the strikers. Which means that your price points are in goal a five and a four. Uh, in defence, it's a 5.5, a 5, a 5, a 4.5 and a 4. In midfield, it is, I'll try and do this in numerical descending order, a 9, two 8.5s, one 7.5, one 6.5, and then as you said up front, 14, uh, 8 and 4.5. Um, the midfield one looks particularly spicy, doesn't it? Do you feel that, that, that that's the best place to have the, the most expensive or the, the highest number of premium um, price points? Yeah, I think thinking back to when the, the prices got revealed in the game launch straight away, you know, the first watch list I put together had a huge amount of midfielders and not as many forwards. I think I've only got three forwards on my watches at the moment, Haaland, Jesus and Watkins. So it's a very small pool of players. And that's why I, I favour uh, two strikers to begin with and five midfielders because I feel like midfield will be a place where we jump around a lot of options, maybe based on fixtures. Um, there's just so many good picks, you know, between seven and, and nine. Um, so yeah, that's where I want to spend most of my cash and have, you know, five spots rather than four, at least to start the season. And again, I think it's it's flexible enough that if a three four three emerges or or we need to go four at the back, it's quite easy to do. So when I and I do plan to roll the transfer as often as possible. So, you know, if I do need to restructure in terms of formation, it, it won't be too difficult to do so with with these price points. 
I suppose the interesting thing is, in many ways, is that a three four three has started to sort of like have a bit of cut through in the community. I'm I'm currently in three four three, and I know a number of other people have have experimented one with one quite liked it. It largely f- uh, formulates around either having uh you know Harland alongside two eight millions, or maybe a, a Jesus and a Kunku, or a Jesus and a Jackson, for example, or in some cases Jesus and a Vissa. A lot of that stems from getting rid of Alexander Arnold, which of course you've done as well. But you've stayed in three five two with this draft and in a way it's it's weird because i don't think i've looked at a 352 in in what feels like weeks and so it's interesting that as the 343 has started to gain popularity in terms of that pre-season meta which is is still finding its feet in many ways there just has I, i've seen already a shift to 343 at least amongst engaged managers and you've not followed suit on that just yet and i wondered if you had any thoughts uh there because you seem open to moving to it if you feel the 343 is strong enough but maybe you don't feel it is yet yeah, personally, I have not made a single three-four-three draft. Uh, I probably make. I'll probably make one before the season starts. But I'm very much um, dictated by my watch list, and the current watch list has about thirty players. And like I said, there's only three strikers there. Um, so if I was to go for a three-four-three, it would be Haaland, Jesus, and Watkins. And to me, that's just a little bit too much cash up front when I really want to focus on the midfielders. I think. I would be more likely to move to a 4-4-2 than a 3-4-3 because Trent would probably come in instead of a Jesus or a Watkins and just go four at the back, uh, 4-4-2. But again, I keep coming back to it. I love the midfielders. I've got loads of midfielders that are not in my current draft who I would like to have in my current draft or at least early in the season. So I'm very determined to stick to my guns. And again, it it it's, goes back to the, the other order of going back to your draft number one. My draft number one was a 3-5-2. Um, so my initial instinct, I want to try and stick to that. But again, it's it's flexible. If Nkunku emerges or Jackson, if Jesus is playing too well to sell him, you know, very easily with two free transfers, I can you know sell a sell a Foden and a Plange and, and get a and get an Nkunku if I need to and, and a four point five million midfielder. So everything is flexible here, uh, and nothing is certainly nothing set in stone. But I don't see myself going three four three game week one. And again, come game week four, if I think it's the best way to go, I'll, I'll happily go there. So th- the beauty of FPL is formation doesn't really matter. Um, three five two, three four three, four four two, even four five one. There's no right or wrong answer here when we don't have any information. So don't be afraid to go with a, a formation that you feel is right, even if you're not seeing it too much on on social media and stuff. Yeah, I have to say, whenever I've had the questions about what's the best formation, it, I usually go, "What well, don't." historically 343 but that's only because the price points have landed in such a way that you can make the best possible team and you happen to be in 343 formation is very much a residual knock-on of what the best price points are where the best players are and we've just seen a natural shift in the way that football is played you know we have slightly fewer well say slightly fewer we have significantly fewer recognized number nines across the league because most teams just play with one of those whereas back in the day when we were first starting this you know you'd have an Henri and you'd have a Drogba and you'd have a Rooney all at those clubs alongside someone else playing a relatively similar role and and what we're seeing this year is just a natural uh, residual knock-on effect of just how much football's changed over like 10-15 years etc wouldn't you say? Yeah football's changed and because of that FPL has changed and we had a we had a we had a spell maybe three four five years where the wingbacks were king, you know, your Chilwells, your your Robertsons, your Trents and stuff. And that's kind of calmed down a wee bit now. And we seem to be shifting towards midfielders in FPL. And, and obviously a lot of midfielders in FPL 
could arguably be forwards, you know, players like Salah and stuff like that who play, you know, you know, quite far advanced for their teams. But FPL keep them as midfielders in the game. So you're 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 picking five midfielders, but a lot of the time you're picking four or five forwards, really, to go along with your your two or three forwards that are actually FPL forwards. So it's shoehorning in as many forwards as you can, even across the midfield position. So don't get too hung up on, you know, Sal as a midfielder in FPL. Yeah, because he's a forward really, and you've got to just kind of shake that off. And and yeah, don't don't get too hung up on formations. Basically, I, I tend to let the players and the fixtures and the good value picks dictate the formation. It's kind of players first, fixtures first, whatever formation that falls on, as long as it's in some way flexible. I think that's fine. Hmm. And it's also very nice uh, for the troops to hear that this is a general who puts his players ahead of formations. It's all about the people involved in this rather than the principles, wouldn't you say, sir? Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you very much, uh, Sir General, uh, for your contribution in the very first episode of General's Orders. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed uh, having some instruction from a seasoned veteran. Uh, and of course, we'll be back every week, every Tuesday uh, this season. You can catch uh, the more orders from the training ground or whatever virtual environment you want to pretend we're in. And we will do our best to, uh, to be as entertainingly dressed as you are happy with if we get loads of hate mail about these outfits we will lose them we do promise but if you enjoy them then we'll keep them on um a couple of other things just to point people in the direction of of course the preseason guide we've mentioned a couple of times the preseason matches and the minutes involved in that if you haven't already had a chance to check out the preseason guide on fantasy football scout head to the website have a look there you'll notice that some of it you'll need to sign up to fantasy football scout membership for so make sure you sort that out before it's too late make sure you get that 30 percent off uh, with the preseason uh, prices uh, of course don't forget to uh, like uh, this video and subscribe to the fantasy football scout youtube channel uh, everything that you guys do in terms of liking videos and subscribing and hitting that bell notification all helps support the channel helps us grow and uh, do silly things like this so yeah thank you uh, very much um, i don't have anything uh, else to add uh, sir unless you'd like some parting words for the troops from the general yeah all i'll say is is, is cheers brigadier david for for the first show looking forward to, to more of these this season and, and happy tinkering to the troops who are who are watching and listening and and we'll be back next week and be careful be careful what you say david about we lose these outfits if people want us to they might get the, the wrong idea and be <laughs> be very very excited for the next episode so just to be clear it'll be getting rid of the outfits and wearing something else not uh you won't be getting an only fans version of of myself and david and that right there is why I'm the brigadier and you're the general, because you thought about the, not just the spirit, but the specificity as well. So I thank you very much. And I give you one final salute. And with that, we shall leave you fine folks to the rest of your tinkering and we shall see you next time. <laughs>